M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I've just been sitting there in the corner clutching my little anxiety blanket. This is Emsolation. I'm Michael, I'm from the suburbs, I can't play sport, and would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> Could I have birthed them? No? Feel free to perv. I mean, your genes are very strong. <laughs> very you. strong. I can't believe my genes aren't in there going, Scott, get out! You're in Emsolation. Am I putting a googie egg at my juts? <laughs> Hello, how are you? Welcome. I'm going to have to make this quick because I have a very unhappy baby that just wants me to hold him and things could be worse, let's be real. Um, I sound so excited because I've just finished recording the bit with Michael Lucas with our chat and I'm not lying when I tell you that Massimo from 365 Days is on the podcast today. Oh my God. Yes, Michele Marone is on the podcast Say my name. That's all I'm going to tell you. You have to listen. It's just a little treat for you guys. And it was a special present from Michael. And I'm so excited. I know I probably shouldn't have told you. I should have just let it happen. But, you know, I'm terrible with secrets. Uh, Look, I hope you're all okay. We are heading into second week of lockdown in Melbourne. I have made a conscious decision to drag my teenage daughters out every day for a walk. (laughs) And obviously, look, they're fine. They're enjoying it. Once we're out and about, we're having really good conversations actually. And if I'm being honest, it's as much for me as it is for them. Having a reason to, we get up, we get dressed, we have, we get a a coffee and a hot chocolate. We walk along the river near my house. And I just realized kind of last lockdown, there were things I wanted to do differently this time. And (laughs) I'm sad I get an opportunity to do it differently, but at the same token, I'm I'm trying to help my 13-year-old especially deal with the lack of social interaction with her friends and she was really flat at the end of last lockdown and then when I had to tell her that school's going back to remote learning, she was crushed. So I wanted to be more involved in helping her spirits lift each day and it has been working for us. We're also doing a movie marathon as a family. Each night we sit down to watch a movie. We've picked The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings because we're massive fantasy nerds. But watching The Hobbit, I realised just how many – it's a sausage fest. So many white men in pointy ears and wizard's capes running across countryside with sweeping drone shots. But that's what we're doing. Also, the exciting thing that's happened to me over the last couple of days is a new show idea has come to me. And when I mean show, I mean – a big one like Rage and Rainbows, an evil queen, one I can tour. And the way my creative process works is the shows have to find me. Does that make sense? Usually what happens is an idea just kind of whacks me in the stomach from out of nowhere and it starts to grow and it's like it's like a, a chicken laying an egg and then I lay the egg, which is the idea. Bear with me on this analogy. I'm making it up as I go. And I just kind of like fuss around the egg and I sit on it and I keep it warm and I nurture the egg. And then finally a show hatches out of the egg that I've been sitting on under my bits. (laughs) Does that make sense? But it, it starts like a warm glow in my stomach and then moves this way to my heart and then finally to my brain. So that's happened. And I'm really excited. So I'm going to start writing that just to give me something to look forward to. I'm also trying to figure out how I can do another live in your lounge room, which is realistically going to have to come to you from my lounge room. Marcella, my eldest daughter, is going to be my crew. We're getting some equipment sent to the house. uh, So it's going to be properly from me to you with a two-person crew. Uh, My dad's going to record some music for me so I can play that and sing some songs. You'll be able to buy a ticket. I hope it works, but that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm just figuring out ways I can still, you know, earn an income. I'm going to get straight to Michael because obviously we have a lot to discuss. Very exciting. 
Wait till you hear Massimo from 365 Days say my name. Oh, my God. Yes. We also talk about Reese leaving MasterChef. We were both very upset. The heart and soul of the kitchen. And that is not overstating it. Uh, also, if you ordered an Emsolation T-shirt or a Busy Working Mother T-shirt, they'll be getting sent out this week. Thank you for supporting us. All that money helps me keep this show going, helps me keep the home fires burning. And we're going to be getting them back on sale in a couple of weeks because you guys did love them. So thanks to that. And as always, thanks to the patrons, you guys, your Emsolators, the Emsol lovers who pay each month just because you love us and want to support us. I really appreciate you. If you'd like to become a patron of this podcast, basically you can choose to pay the five or 10 US a month and that money goes straight back into the podcast and you get little exclusive videos from me uh, every now and then a Q&A session with Scott and I. You just, um, it's a next level membership to this podcast and loving it. So thank you to all of the Emsolators and Emsol lovers. All right, let's get to it. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Wow, the text messages were flying thick and fast as our favourite left the oh. MasterChef kitchen and taking with it its heart and soul. Oh, it's heart, it's soul, it's magic, it's rainbows, everything. Michael Lucas, we lost Reese. We, he's gone. I called it five seconds in because they gave it away. They gave it away straight off the bat because they've got bloody Andy saying to Reese, oh, mate, you've got the vegetarian dish. You're a vegetarian. You can't – you're not going to lose. This is your day, bro. You're going to be like – you're going to smash it out of the park and straight away my reality TV hackles are up. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're very sensitive reality TV hackles. I must admit your uncanny prediction abilities are really <laughs> starting to bring me down. You just – you always take a worst case scenario and then it's almost always right. I know. And so much so that I, I've kind of, I touched on this in the intro, the idea for next year's show has suddenly struck me um, and it is based around my uncanny ability to predict terrible things. <laughs> is it a blessing or is it a curse? Well, I mean, I think we all have the ability. I think we just ignore it because some of us in denial and some of us unaware of the skill set. So something I'll be exploring. But, yeah, I, I knew straight away because, I mean, they were pumping him up so much. And if he said one more time I've got a plant-based diet with that delightful oh. lisp, like I really – I just knew. And then they're going over saying, oh, what a boring combination. You know, oh, beetroot and goat's cheese. I'm like, all right, mate, the majority of us are sitting here eating chocolate ice cream for dinner. It's not that boring. Sounds like you're speaking from <laughs> some personal experience there, Em. I was. I was eating chocolate ice cream for dinner. Oh, but I, yeah, I do want to live in denial. I just want to go back to when he was still in the kitchen and with him and Pogon. Oh. Oh, I mean, he was no. magic and he's just not someone you normally, not a character you normally see on TV with his, nah. his just beautiful giant, tall giraffe, gay giraffe, lolloping around yeah. with his glasses and his lisp and just how he, the way he claps, the way he does his little claps when he gets excited by something. <laughs> I just loved him. Didn't I loved him whether he was up on the gantry. I loved him when he was down cooking. I loved him when he met Katy Perry. Oh, and, th- and that was the last thing he said. You know, and you tweeted it also, he can't be a loser because Katy Perry called him the tits. Oh, that's always the app that I'll remember of this oh. season. So he's and, I and even also the that spin-off app. show, him and Brendan doing their spin-off <laughs> show. I'm serious, I want it. Gay nerds on the road, whatever. <laughs> I think that is exactly what they should call a gay nerds on the road. Hundo P. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, but you know what's going to happen in reality? It's not going to be them getting their own spin-off show. It'll be old mate Bugalug Salmon pre-shirt. He'll get his own. Oh, <laughs> uh, Andy was testing me last night. Oh, that's unusual. No, I know I'm like on a new page with him and a new chapter and a new journey. But my God, <laughs> it seems like it was a pretty short chapter. Yeah. Well, I mean, Amelia clearly has issues with him. I'm going to put it right out there because she, he went over to her to talk about the fish which she was really stressing about, clearly. She couldn't get that broth clear. It was like it was it was fish cloudy clag water and she was just really trying to concentrate and Andy comes over and he's like, oh, is the fish going to be cooked? Like, no, dickhead. <laughs> I'm just sitting here wishing on it. I'm just going to look at it really hard and it's going to steam itself. And Amelia just gave him one word, just so many brush-off answers with full stops at the end of it. I was Marcello and I were like, good. Because she was trying to focus. <laughs> but what kind of question is, are you going to serve them undercooked fish? Like, yeah. Oh, thank God he brought it up. <laughs> oh, my God. She might not have considered that aspect. Did you love her moment of just, like, living her best life when she announced? Oh, when she, her declaration. Yes, do her it. Her tearful declaration Do the, the declaration, end. do it. I am an exceptional cook, mm-hmm. but I just know pastry more than fish. <laughs> but I know that I'm exceptional. It was, it was, it was great. Her and her perfectly white shirt, still white, not one bit, bit of splatter. Mm-mm. It was kind of like that Mel Gibson speech at the end of Braveheart, but with fish and pastry. <laughs> Steaks were just as high. Yeah, and a demure white woman with a penchant for red lipstick. I am a good cook. And a mysterious gay, and a, I don't know why I said a mysterious gay waiter. A mysterious oh. waiter in a black shirt. Who was that dude? You hoping he was gay? There was, was a hot waiter last night in a tie. Peered yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, and Marcella spotted him straight away. And almost the moment Marcella said, oh, check out the waiter, you text me saying, who's the waiter? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would know. But, yes, there was a very hot waiter last night that both my best friend and my daughter noticed at the same time. I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for him, but I do feel like, and we did bring this up in our text messages, Laura gave Jock sass last night. Oh, she did. She was standing strong in her power, brushing him off. Yes, and normally she she like gets a bit funny around Jock because she admires him so much. But she brought up her husband and I went on a deep dive and found the husband and the husband looks like a young version of Jock. <laughs> I sent you a picture, don't you think? Of course he does. But she's moved on now. That's the vibe I got, or at least she wants him to believe she has. Yeah, I think she's moved on from the infatuation Like in terms of just you could see the awe she was in awe of him. But last night she was just like, get away from me, Jock. I'm trying to cook him a meat, okay? And then he, mm. like, of course, said, I prefer it on the bone. Of course you do, but oh, you do, Jock. Of course I bet did. you do. <laughs> Whoa. We also had an eagle-eyed Emsolator, who uh, revealed that Jock was uh, clutching worry beads. Oh, yeah. Which I had not noticed, but then I did see in the next shot he wasn't. Obviously, since that point, I've done a lot of extensive Googling to see whether clutching worry beads (laughs) is a sign of latent homosexuality, and my investigation is currently inconclusive, but I think I want to. (laughs) What is the purpose of worry beads? Because I feel like maybe should I be sleeping encased in them? Do they take away worry? Do I eat them? Do I swallow them? Do I insert them? Do I shelf them? What are have you? What are worry? Isn't it like you? Is is it something to um, if you've got nervous energy? It's just something for your hands to be doing to sort of like get that nervous energy out. Maybe I don't know. I'm completely making this up. Oh, like a fidget spinner, but maybe all I know is. If it's expensive and it's a solution for bringing down anxiety that you get on the internet, you'll no doubt be buying it. How is your weighted blanket going? We haven't checked in on that. So great. 
I haven't been able to be sleeping with a weighted blanket because my son refuses to sleep unless he is attached to the spot under my chin. So I don't want to put the weighted blanket on my tiny baby. Mm-hmm. So I can't. But last night I got him to sleep in his bed for a couple hours. So I got back under the weighted blanket and it was like, oh, my old friend. It was so nice. I'm assuming the weighted oh. blanket. There can be no sexual congress under a weighted blanket or can there be? Oh, my God, no. Oh. No. That's the whole point. If you're buying – and that's this is what I said the other night in my stand-up show. If you're buying a weighted blanket, you're not getting a lot of sex. It's just shutting the do- – it's drawing the bridge and there's a moat around you and it's saying, no, 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 sorry, none shall pass. Or is it just like, you know how sometimes athletes, like they strap weights to themselves to go harder. It could be just like, you know, really making him work for the sex. Why would I want <laughs> – a comedian tweeted last night, oh, if, um, if I've learned anything from sitcoms, middle-aged women just want to put hand cream on before bed and not have sex with their husbands. And I just wrote back to him, and? In television <laughs> yes. shows, women do do a lot of, like, putting cream on their hands before going to bed. Yeah. Yeah, I've just started doing that. I used to think that was a cliche, but because of all the fucking hand sanitizer. Oh. I'm putting on four different types of hand cream. My, my hands look like crepe paper with glue on top of them at the moment. It's not pretty. The anxiety blanket, think about it. I've got like flannel pyjamas, an anxiety blanket and a baby in the bed with me. There's no sex. (laughs) And I don't want there to be sex. I have had to look at my husband nonstop for the last six months and I've got another five weeks. Wasn't it devastating? when I saw on the um, news when they were sort of going through this timeline and they were saying essentially to get back to where we were, it'll be like mid-October by the time we get back to that point. Oh, 100%. It's not six weeks and I've said this to you. They're just trying to make us... Little blocks at a time. Just just enough with the dark prophecies. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, you and I have been – there's something that's been quietly brewing in the background for me and you and I talk about it a lot. And I jumped off Twitter a few years ago because I just find it to be super negative but also not relevant to my audience because I don't. not many people that follow me in my community care about Twitter. For me, Twitter is for journalists and celebrities to air their grievances or opinions to each other. And, and that's You make a guest it. appearance think- for some MasterChef tweeting. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And then I'm out. And sometimes I go in and drop a bombshell and leave. <laughs> but I just – Twitter, I mean, is, is gaining – it's kind of coming back into the mainstream media because of this whole term that is being – I mean, cancel culture is just the new thing now. We're focusing on – first it was ISO, then we were pivoting, and now cancel culture is the word of the moment. And I have – Complicated feelings. Mm. Mm, Me too. Well, I mean, yeah. One of the tricky things about it is just knowing exactly what cancel culture is. What is that? Well, it's like when people say, oh, I use a thermomix and I pretend to understand what thermomixes do. I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Uh, I think we sort of have a general sense that cancel culture is the notion that you do something wrong, um, or out of line or not politically correct in the public sphere and you get trashed for it and you're out of a job and you're, you know, if you're a performer, people stop coming. I think that's a general idea. Although when I looked at it, I looked up what cancel culture actually means and it actually referred to like if there's a corporation that isn't taking a stance that you don't like, then you, then you 
you know, start a campaign to get people to stop buying the products. Or for example, if a radio show host says something that you don't like, then you contact their sponsors and say, don't buy from them anymore. And that was the precise definition of cancel culture. But I think now like Trump has, he's building his campaign Mm. for 2020 on this notion that if you vote in the left, they're, they're just all about cancel culture. And he's incorporated like pulling down Confederate statues and basically the whole Black Lives Matter movement in his eyes is cancel culture. So it just means like everything from like, from trolling to, you know, to bringing down celebrities for saying things out of line for strict political correctness. And so part of the confusing thing about this debate is everyone seems to have a different angle and you and I even at times have been talking about it from a completely different sense of, of what we actually mean by cancel culture. Yeah, and we've disagreed. I mean, you tweeted something the other day that made me really mad. And usually I don't take you on publicly. Usually I'll shoot you off an aggressive text. But <laughs> no, it was fair enough I was because incensed. I did mean something different. I like because you because I had said something like, in terms of everyone talking about cancel culture, I call it online criticism. And and then I spoke about how for me. I've gotten used to reading tweets and everything. And my actual thing was in response to a whole lot of writers coming out saying that, you know, if you look at social media reaction, it just kills your ability to be creative. And I think that's kind of bullshit and that you just sort of need to adapt. But then you jumped in and said, oh, but hang on, you haven't faced the Mm. brunt of that, meaning more like trolling and abuse, which is true. I haven't. So in the end... deleted that tweet. But I did think it was interesting actually, because I did, I felt like, Oh, I've got to be more specific. And then later on, I read a tweet by John Ronson that said, cancel culture has become this such a vague term, which is just not useful. And I think we kind of proved the point. Yeah. (laughs) For people listening now, for people who, who aren't celebrities or people who aren't in the public profile, cancel culture doesn't really apply to the G-pub. It just doesn't. Like if you're a lawyer or a nurse or, you know, you work at Coles or you're a taxi driver, you can't be cancelled. So this this idea of cancel culture very specifically relates to people with profile being held accountable for their shitty opinions, basically. <laughs> well, it also, yeah, but it also, some would say that for anyone, anyone knows what it's like to think twice about posting something, yeah. even on Facebook, because if you, you might be holding a, a political conviction or something like that and you think to yourself, do I put it on because what if people at work really mm. don't like this? What if it offends mm. someone? So I do think on that level, mm. kind of what we're talking about filters through to, to just this general nervousness about what can I say and will it have consequences? Isn't that a good thing sometimes? Yes, I know. This is the so, complicated thing. Yes, very much so. And, and, Look, in my to my way of thinking, a lot of this is just because the internet and social media has been invented. I don't I don't necessarily think like all of humans are becoming more like uh, strict and censorious or anything like that. I just think we're trying to like deal with the fact that now everyone has a voice online, everyone, and so Mm. anything Mm. that anyone does online can get a truckload of reaction. That's, that's the way of the world now. And we're still sort of processing what that means and how to use it. But there's plenty of good things like gay rights have had this incredible um, progress in the past 10 years. And a huge reason behind that is because there are voices online that even if you don't, if you, if you haven't personally been good friends with someone that's gay, no doubt there's someone online that you know, and that, so in that sense, you know, and, and it's also, you know, gay people pulling up finally they've got a way of saying, hey, that was homophobic, don't say it. They didn't have that beforehand. So it can be good, but then I guess what people are saying. Yeah, but it can also be Twitter, which is a dumpster fire sometimes. 
And basically, I feel like Twitter, the problem for me is if you're not kind of spouting whatever that day's mob social norm is, what everyone on Twitter's all agreeing on, then if you try to have a different idea mm. or if you want to maybe broach something new, you can't. And that's the problem is there's this it's, – it's like mob justice, which is never a good thing. This is why it's so complicated for me because on one hand, I like the idea of people being held accountable for their shitty ideas and opinions because for so long – all these, a lot of people were allowed to say whatever they wanted and not really get any backlash. And also there's a lot of people now who are able to speak without anyone editing them, you know, people with Mm. profile. There's no third party editing happening. So when they fuck up, they're being held accountable straight away and they don't like that. So the people, the the really famous people you're seeing complaining about cancel culture, I think, are people who don't like being rebuked by ordinary people, by average people. And there are often people that rose to fame before social media, so they established their fame in a world where you had to worry about, like, a couple of newspapers and things like that, but you didn't have to worry about the full truckload of of everyone, like the, the <laughs> billions on social media who can now react. Yeah, but you are also relying just on a couple TV execs liking mm. you. Now that's not enough. Now TV executives don't just get to pick the people you watch and look up to you get to pick them. So there's this whole new selection process happening of who we do allow to rise to prominence. But what I want everyone to remember is, and this is what keeps me up, right? Everyone that you love, everyone that you know, their past is now readily available because of the internet. And I will put my hand on my heart and say, I am not, I'm so far from perfect. And there are things in my past that, you know, a lot have already been brought to light. All the stuff that came out about when I worked in radio, how people hated working with me, how I was impossible to work with, how I was a diva, how I was difficult, all those things. I mean, they've already come to light about me, but I still cringe and think about some of the ways I behaved in Perth in, and, you know, yes, there were other things going on for me, but you know, I'm 42 and I started in this industry. I'm 41. Oh, my God, I just hate myself. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm 41 and I started in this industry when I was 24 and I had no idea what I was doing. We were the very first reality TV show. It was the Wild Wild West and everyone has a past that is now available and what I think is we haven't quite perfected how we deal with things coming up about our favourite people. You know, like, say, what Jimmy Fallon, the, the blackface stuff that came up. Well, actually, I would say that he, I would say that instance is an example of, he actually, I I think we are starting to adjust a little bit with that. But do you think it's because he's a straight white guy that he was forgiven quickly for the Mm, blackface stuff? Could be. Do you know what I mean? I think we're harder on women. Oh, there's no question about that. Yeah. I think when women make a mistake, when females make mistakes in the media, I think that there's much more, there's a much faster stacks on, pile on, and it's almost... Glee. Oh, it's totally. Like people love it. I, but then there's another part of me that thinks I agree and it would be, uh, you know, on some level I think, yeah, great, we should all call for people to be more empathetic and of course we should, of course we should. I'm still a bit sceptical about how much things are really going to change because mm. you're talking about you're talking about a bazillion people out there. And the two people that I really – because I, when I uh, early on when I was on Twitter was, of course, 
the Patrick death episode. And that was uh, at the time I had push notifications on Twitter. I only had 500 followers and then that went to air and my followers went from 500 to 4,000 in about three hours. And let's just say not because they wanted to send me nice messages. (laughs) They were basically saying you've it. I'm never, you've ruined the show. And there wasn't like, it wasn't like there were many people going, wow, that was a powerful piece of drama or anything like that. It wasn't that it was just, you've ruined it. You've blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm not saying it's as, you put it out it's not it's not necessarily they weren't saying necessarily no. i'm a horrible person but but there, there was an overwhelming thing of i'd made a massive mistake and i'd ruined the show that employs hundreds of people that i'd worked on for four years not just me but i was the only one on twitter but ultimately though like it's something that people talk about and was so important i know but i was still i was still a basket case i was still a basket case for a while and there was well a little while but i do remember in the midst of that there were there was a turning point for me was at the same time Miley Cyrus did that like <laughs> M- MTV VMA performance. Yeah. And I know it's funny to bring that up, but the fact is that was a global stacks on yeah. for, for her after that, when she had the foam finger yeah. and she, what was it? Robin Thicke. Yeah. And people were used to seeing her as Hannah Montana. And all of a sudden she did this, you know, stuck her tongue out and did this incredibly sexually provocative performance. And she was slammed in every news outlet and all over Twitter. And I remember watching this interview with her and she was so calm about it Mm. and just sort of said, yeah, that's what, that's what online's like. I mean, they probably wouldn't say it to my face, but you know, they're just reacting to something they say and they fire off this thing. There's no consequences. So, you know, I just, I can't control it. I've just got to like let it not affect me. No, but it does affect, and I don't believe it. I know it does. It does. And AOC is the other one who's been coming out saying no one gets cancelled more than me or gets trolled more than me. And it's true. She's got all of the right wingers and all of Fox news audiences Mm. hating her all the time. Mm. And she's sort of essentially saying, if I can handle it, you guys have to learn to handle it. But they're both young and they both sort of grew up with, social media. So maybe, I don't know, maybe people just sort of, maybe it'll be a combination. People will start to realize let's not go so brutal, so hard. It has consequences. But at the same time, people also start to think, let it not. No, but I I think, I think that you're swimming in rare air. I really disagree with you. I, I don't think the general public, I think the people say that come to my shows, I don't Mm. think they partake in cancel culture as much as the media does. I think it's the media eating its own tail. I honestly, oh, well, totally. yeah, I honestly yeah. think that we as people who are in the media and consume it as relentlessly as we do, it is a much bigger issue to us than the people that, you know, I actually care about, which is my community and who buy tickets to my shows and who, who listen to this podcast. And I think that they might hear of something was written about this person, but I don't think that they roll around in it as much as you and I do. I do think that there is, albeit, I know what you mean in terms of that public, but I still remember last Christmas when I was, you know, you, you hang out with all your aunts and cousins, mum's cousins and stuff like that. And I still remember what some of my mum's cousins coming up sort of saying, oh, you can't make a joke anymore, can you? Oh, it's God. all changed. You get your head bitten off. So even, and this is not someone who has any connection with the media, this is pure suburban Melbourne yeah. <laughs> mother of two who who felt constricted. Exactly. I think that that's the case. So they're almost sympathising with the people who are getting rebuked for saying, you know, things that are outrageous or, you know, out of line. So that's what I mean. The, the general public mm. think it is everything has gone too far maybe. 
But you got to remember, I also get attacked for sticking up for marriage equality for saying yes. people should wear masks. I know. For- the other thing, the other thing that I don't like about the conversation is everyone's pretending it's only left wing people that cancel, and that's so not true. Like, the, and just remember. I, the first time I can really remember a time when it felt like someone was cancelled was when the Dixie Chicks spoke out against mm. George Bush. Remember, they were like completely – and even – They said they, they just said they were ashamed of coming from the same state as him because of the war and it was just the one throwaway comment and they were cancelled. You want an example of people who were – they were cancelled. Totally. And who was – who's comedian that held up the head of Trump? Um, Kathy Griffin. That's right. Yeah, she as well yeah. lost her – lost a lot of her gigs and everything. So it really can go both ways. Oh, 100%. And most of your trolling, you would say – I suppose uh, maybe if you you might get some backlash for not being you know supposedly woke enough at times, but generally it comes from more sexist, misogynist old men, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean I I often get referred to as a firebrand and controversial, (laughs) and that's how people label Alan Jones. And could you think of anyone more diametrically opposed to the ideals of Alan Jones than me? And I often I sit and I and I and it makes me pull my hair. I'm like, what do I do and say that is so outrageous? You know, I think women should have their own reproductive rights. I think gay people should be able to marry the people that they love. You know, I think that refugees should be treated like humans. I think our First Nations people deserve to have recognition. I'm going through all these stances I've made in the public, and I'm yet to come across anything outrageous or controversial. I think it's just because you are still rare. It's rare to see particularly a woman who is unfiltered in the way that you speak about yourself and what you're going through and everything like that, that's still pretty rare. There aren't, like, if I try and think who else is a genuinely unfiltered female public figure, (laughs) they're not, they're pretty thin on the ground and people find it confronting. But even as you say that, you know me intimately. Oh, the filters are working hard. (laughs) If if all of you could hear the unfiltered (laughs) end. She really would be cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real to everyone listening right now, to our darling listeners. You do still get a filtered, edited version of M. Like, you, you get a lot of truth. Oh, it's all, it's all truth. Everything you get is truth. It, it's it's all just truth, that but sometimes <laughs> there's a messier, darker, weirder M. 100%. Out there. I am way messier, way weirder, and way darker. But I also feel like the people that follow me get that. I I do think on a lot of levels, especially the women, they see that in me. They see me. I always get messages saying, Em, I see you. So I and I and I love that. So so when you sit there going, you're unfiltered, uh, knowing me as well as you do, I do giggle at that. (laughs) If people because you're the person I go to, you're my filter. So I'll have a specific reaction to something and I will text it to Michael or I'll call him. And then Michael mm. is the um, like the good witch on my shoulder and he'll be like, okay, hang on a minute. Let's just, <laughs> let's just think about this. Michael's very good at calming me down before I unleash my thoughts on the world publicly. So <laughs> I feel like Chella's getting training in this yes. regard as well. She'll be up there And soon. Scott, my husband too, he filters all the swear words. Jamila, Jamila. occasionally with special things. Yeah, Jamila is he, Claire Bowditch. I do have these human filters in my life. Well, sometimes I, now I screwed up. Speaking of lack of filtering. Oh yes. Now what happened? I know. I think you completely missed it because it was up and it was gone. It was a Twitter Twitter drama. <gasps> I was I was drinking quite a lot Good. on Friday night because we're fresh in lockdown, <laughs> stuck at home, and I was sort of we're all familiar with 
in Melbourne, there's some suspicion that this outbreak has come from the hotel quarantine, the security guards. I did see that tweet. It was funny. Okay, yeah. Okay, so my tweet was, if we have to endure another lockdown, we deserve to know the full story of the security guard quarantine sex. I want pictures of the protagonist. I want all the details in a three-act structure, and I'm waiting. I put it out, and initially got a really good reaction and people were doing all these funny things like I want the mini series, but I want it to have really bad casting and terrible wigs. Someone was like, it, it, you know, it's, it'd be like normal people, (laughs) except instead of Ireland, it'll be Richard Swanson street, all this sort of stuff. It was laugh. Great, great, great. People I liked retweeting it or commenting on it. You were riding on a joke high. Joke high. Went to bed and then slept in with hungover. And then finally, like, it was sort of got up, potted around, switched on my phone at like 11 and it was like ding, 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 with oh, bananas. Shit. And it was, we were almost at 200 re- retweets. Still a lot that were quite positive, but it had turned Ooh. because a lot of people were sort of saying, what you want to, you want to see people having consensual sex. That's sick. I got a lot of sick. Like, and it was like, oh, Why? I have they not a- heard of porn? <laughs> I was going to say it was a bit of a joke, M, which is, well, anyway. But then where it went really dark was people started questioning, hang on, if these security guards were guarding people, is that really a good power dynamic? Can you have sex with someone you're guarding? And then it got worse. And people were like, do you know it's the same security company that does Manus Island? It had gone Uh. so dark, so quick. It was still like, I would say, 85%. No, kind I'm of positive, but yeah, just I took it down. And then I started thinking, yeah. there's an inquiry. We really don't know. I mean, I'd assumed it was a drunken traveller, not drunken, no. probably drunken by then, and um, maybe back from Katiki, there was a hot security guard. Like no. I just put such a rom-com brain on it, but then someone was like saying stuff like it was probably a drug addict who found themselves trapped in this quarantine, needed something what? in the guard. Hang on, they're making assumptions Well, exactly, as well. but so was I. So in the well, end, the I, just thing, yeah, I just took it down. I just took it down. I did read the tweet as I was going to bed Saturday night and I di- it did have – I had a minute gut register. Um, but then I did go, ha, 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 and then I started casting it in my mind as I was drifting off to sleep. <laughs> yes. So I, it did – for me, I'm getting very good at uh, – my gut is on high alert at the moment for things. Like even you and I have had conversations uh, – uh, someone we know was, you know – getting in trouble for something online and you and I had a discussion about it and my gut even outgutted your gut on it, mm. I would be very careful about anything around coronavirus just because the, the, the amount of – the impact it's having on people's lives now, it's it's very hard thing to make a joke about and I get – well, and the other factor is because of the lockdown and everything, so many people are sitting there online in yeah. a car, kind of frustrated, angry, angry mode. Like I'm really feeling the difference of yeah. just how much response you get to things and certainly people are not afraid to tell you. Oh, this is a different lockdown. So if you put it out there, I guess as you said, in a nice full circle moment, you and I were arguing over it, you just have to accept what comes back. Exactly. You have to find your Miley or your AOC. <laughs> Or do what I did and delete it and then go on with your Saturday. As though it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, God, that was a deep dive thesis into cancel culture. I would just ask anyone listening now to remember uh, your humanity and to remember that everyone's past are now full open and if it were your past, would you be comfortable with everyone picking over that and bringing it to light? And I think – Every time someone is dragged over the coals, you've got to think to yourself, is this a bad person 
or is this a good person who's done a bad thing? I think because it doesn't allow for nuance, there's this frenzy out there. And that's what I do now. If I hear something's happened to someone, I deliberately go and investigate everything rather than go what I used to do. Ah, cancelled. I did. I used to do that. Ah, done. But now, as we said last week, and a lot of people have emailed me about that and said that's actually helped them, is that we need to acknowledge that some of the things we love have problematic aspects and our love and our questioning for that thing can exist in the same space. Very beautifully said, Em. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, thank you so well, much. Well, is it? Wait. What? Stop everything. What? I've got a surprise. What? I know, I'm sorry, but look, can you tell how proud of myself I am? What? I know, M. just emsolation listeners, M has no idea what's happening right now. It's a, she's a control freak and her lack of control is probably minute. spinning her out. Why are you hijacking yep. the podcast? What? 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 Yep. Well, you'll understand. I'm hijacking the podcast because we, we have a special word from an outside person. What? Now, regular listeners know of our obsession with the film 365 DNI. What have you? What have you done? <laughs> well, we noticed in our surveillance that the lead, and how do you say his name? Michele. Michele. Michele yeah. Marone. yeah. Michele Marone, yes. Massimo. It became. Oh my God. It became did. apparent. <gasps> Shit, you buried the lead. I know. It became apparent that he is now, you can pay for him to deliver personalised <gasps> video messages. Wait, this ends, this is really becomes an epic fail. And so I knew about this and I thought, okay, well, I mean, obviously I need to get it for M. I need you to did. get <laughs> Michele saying something to her. So I went on, you've got to pay for it. He claims it's all going to charity. Just, just so you know, I know I'm again, giving more to this film that is probably a terrible film with terrible values, but he does swear that all the money he gives to charity. So I went on and filled it out and you've got to pick like a reason why you, you need this message. Like, is it birthday yep. or is it, you know, what it is? And I said, my reason was encouragement. <laughs> This is perhaps where I started to go wrong. Okay. And I wrote, my friend Amelia, you know, she's going through a bit of a hard time. We've gone back into lockdown. We're in a pandemic and she's got a baby. It's barely sleeping and it would be so great, <laughs> Michele, if you just could tell her things are going to change and just maybe remind her one day she'll be back in Europe. She might even end up on a yacht in the Mediterranean. And also, P.S., she really loves it when you say, are oh, you lost, baby girl? So basically I put that out and what I was hoping is that he would sort of pick up what I was putting down and go... Em, I know you're struggling, but trust me, I'll be on a yacht waiting for you. That's what I was hoping for. Let's just say, didn't quite, he didn't quite take the bait. And, um, but anyway, we got the message and, um, uh, Em can't see it at the moment. So she's going to have to listen to it first. I apologize. It's bad sound quality. He's apparently doing it from a car at night. I can confirm that he is wearing a very, very low cut white singlet (laughs) and a gold chain. So he's got that part of the brief. Wait, does he say my name? Yes. Yes. Okay, let's, we'll just, I will, we'll play what he says. I'll read out what he says afterwards. Okay, here we go. Are we ready? Hey, Himelia. Hi, it's Mickey here. Um, I've got a message. Someone told me that you barely slept during this pandemic because you're, you're new baby, you know. I, I know what does it mean not to sleep with kids. <laughs> it's very difficult. So I think that one day you will go back sleep in a very good way. Don't worry about anything. Take care. Oh. <laughs> okay, so in case you c- couldn't make it out, 
Well, I was hoping he might go with basically, let's face it, I'll shag you senseless on a yacht, baby girl. That's what I was hoping he was going to go with. I wasn't even thinking you would in the end mention the baby, but instead, basically, we got parenting advice. Or parent, I don't even know what. So he said, Hi, Amelia, it's Mickey here. I've got a message. Someone told me you've barely slept during this pandemic because of your baby, you know. I know what it means not to sleep with kids. It's very difficult. So I think one day you will go back to sleep in a very good way, you know. Don't worry about anything. Take care. So where I hoped he would say, Em, I'm going to fuck your brains out, he essentially says, you go to sleep now. It is the least sexy (laughs) message. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. No, I love it. I love it so much. I love that I'm such a uh, – my brand is so strong as a mother that even the man I fantasise about. <laughs> Just says have a sleep. Might as well have said pull up your anxiety blanket. Yeah. I don't care. He said my name. He said Amelia. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm beside myself. This is amazing. Thank you so much. What a great gift. Uh, and we can say officially that um, he's the guest on today's podcast. With personalised message. We can. Look, I haven't, I've deliberately not read the terms and conditions. It probably says something like, you can't put this on social media or broadcast it, but I haven't. I haven't oh, looked no, at that. Oh, no, doubt it. That. Nah, be fine. Be fine. Uh, <laughs> please send me that video immediately. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> you worry about that. All right. You really buried the lead. That is amazing. This is like, we've gone 59,000 minutes talking about cancel culture. <laughs> I know. You've had, you've had Massimo in your back pocket the whole time. Oh, I know. What can I say? Well done. <laughs> oh, right. I'm going to have to think of something to get you back with. All right. Fine. Oh, good luck. Good. <laughs> Thank you. No All right. That was amazing. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. I'm just buzzing. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs> this is Emsolation. All right. Well, that's it. Are you frothing? I'm fully frothing. I'm fizzing. I'm excited. I'm peaking. It doesn't take much. (laughs) It's the little things. Oh, my goodness. I'll put the video up online, obviously, of Massimo saying my name, Emilia. And it's fine. I'm glad he gave me parenting advice. He does have children. He's just a busy working mum, you guys. (gasps) I should totally send him a busy working mum t-shirt. Oh, my God. We're basically friends now, like pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, there's going to be a bonus app coming out Friday with my pal Jamila Rizvi, the incredible, the incomparable. I just, she's just so full of wisdom, and I always want to just unpack her brain every now and then. It's she's my go-to when Michael's not available. Pretty much, you know, she's my second tier of moral compass. So that's going to be great. That'll be out Friday, and you guys love the Q and A so much. Last week, Michael and I are going to do another one. So send those questions through to hello at mrussiano.com. That's it. Look after yourselves, cough into your elbow, wear your mask, and uh, we'll chat on Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye.